Hi, this is Mon, Bobby and Daniel with a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for the week ending on Friday the 19th of August. We're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 to 9am, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on the podcast this week, do you drink tea? How do you do it? We delve into the depths of that. And also Tilly Boleyn from Science Gallery at Melbourne joined us to enthusiastically talk about their new exhibition, Swarm. Let's see what lengths Mon will go to for her acting career. And listen to me, fangirl over Tando for Breakfasters Live. Mad as hell writer Pat McCaffrey joins us as our Friday funny bugger. And we ask, when have you exploited a loophole? Melbourne's own Triple R. I don't often have tea, drink tea. I drink a lot of coffee. Um, but when I do, I, I'd say most of the time I do it when I'm um, at Abby's mum's place because she has afternoon tea and dessert and it's always with a cup of tea. Wait, do you mean afternoon tea like there is, there's food involved? Always. Always sweets, treats. I, I always am eating so much junk when we go. Lovely, just afternoon tea, like, like a high tea, like so biscuits and junk. <laughs> Meaning so Imagine much, if that got back. So much lovely junk. <laughs> lovely junk. Beautiful shortbreads. Look at all this junk. <laughs> this shit. You make me shovel in my gum. I'm going down the service station and getting a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, so when you, when you, afternoon tea has a very very specific connotation. That's what I mean. Like, are they, yeah, is it are yeah. scones involved? Uh, yes, sometimes. Oh my God, yes. I love a scone And right yes, now. shortbread is also involved, Daniel. Thank you very much. Uh, cake and just nice little bits and pieces with cups of tea. And I think you always have to have a cup of tea when you're having. Yeah, you do. But I kind of go the other way. Oh, what do need, you mean? Need a little biscuit when I'm having a cup of tea. Oh, the other way. Yeah. yeah. Do you drink much tea? Do you, like during the day? I've been drinking day? more lately. Yeah. Yeah, my I come from a tea family. Oh, you do? <laughs> um, the yeah. Dilmars, you, you mean? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Sabir is my stage name. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Dad Dilma. Uh, <laughs> Dad Dilma. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, yeah I, will, I will have maybe one cup of tea a day. Okay, yeah. Do, do you drink much tea? During the day? Every cup of tea I've ever had, I've loved. And I'm like, why don't I drink more tea? <laughs> I also used to work in the tea room, so I got really into oh, tea then. okay. Yeah, right. Uh, which was cool. I think most of the time I have a cup of tea that's offered to me, but I won't get up yeah, and make exactly. a cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've got a kettle that's like, is a bit of a tea smart ass. Like, Pris, here for black tea and this what? for green tea. Oh, because of the temperature. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, for green tea it should be just, it should be like 90 degrees. So you don't burn the leaves. Yeah, exactly. Whereas wow. the old days, you would just, I don't know, let it cool down yeah. or not care. Or you add cold water. Yeah, to or it. add cold water. But this thing, and it's like a microwave that's a smart ass. Like, you know, you shove, you know, press nine for roast or, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like just boil the water and I'll decide. Yeah. What I'm going to do with it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, But, yeah, I've got tea bag. I just don't understand. I, and, yeah. These foods aren't real because they're delivered at a weird time of day and they're delivered by a lovely person that you can't <laughs> refuse. And then, like, well, that's you it. add up and at the end you've had... Cake every day. Yeah, you've had six cheesecakes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can't say no and then everyone else around you eat and drink. I mean, uh, how, I'll leave the room. No. Yeah. Give me a cup of tea. Yeah. I'll join in. Is it coming in, ask, in a cup and saucer or how's it you go? Know, um, it's, Abby's family are very much tea drinkers, so her stepmom does have that. So we'll go over there and she will have a big teapot mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. she collects teacups and saucers and everything as well. So that is all, mm. you know, la-di-da. Nothing <laughs> like that at my house. Yeah. How about when you go to a restaurant and they say they charge you for an extra cup? 
Do they? What? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, Say someone gets a pot of tea. Scoundrels. Yeah, and then boom. <gasps> you've, even though it's the same amount of liquid. Oh, really? I mean, oh. like if I said, can I have a sip of your, you know, Coke or whatever? <laughs> <Ten cents>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wire it to me. Anyway. Oh, no, no I used to encourage customers at the tea room where I worked to, I'd say the pot's are really big, just share one because then otherwise you'll be drinking like half a litre of tea each. Yeah. You don't need really? it. And it's like $8 for a pot of tea or something like that. Yeah, and if only nice. the shareholders knew. <laughs> yeah, and then I got fired. <laughs> what, what Lady Dilma was up to. I was funneling them all into my own family business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you ever tried putting tea bags in, straight into the kettle? What? Uh, you clearly don't come for from a real? tea family. <laughs> I, don't, I did not do it, but I read an article this morning and it was a staff room and someone in the staff room kept putting um, tea bags into the communal kettle. And <gasps> so people argued about, like, can you stop doing this? It's like, oh, it's a nice big teapot. It's like, no, it's not. Now everything's <laughs> going to taste like tea. Oh, I'm pouring this under my noodles. Well, that's another thing that was oh. in the thing. It was like, have you done noodles? Like, who is doing this? I mean, then, yeah, everything's just going to taste like noodle soup. Afterwards. Yuck. So, okay, not everyone's doing this, but this is something that has just happened. Do you keep, now, you keep the tea bag in or out? Question. For a teapot, it's different. If you're if I'm making you a cup of tea, are you going like, to... I say leave it in and I'll take you? it out when I'm ready. Oh, really? Oh, because I, this happens a lot, not yeah. a lot, but like people who don't really drink tea yeah. get it wrong. You know, like it's too weak or it's – and so they'll take it out and you go, oh, this is just water. Warm water. Yeah, with milk in it or something. Do you squeeze the tea bag? You wrap the string around it. Yeah, yeah, and pull. And then hope to God that you don't tear the tea bag. But no, would you rather Mm. just let it sit in there? Sit in the cup. Rather than squeeze it out. I'm just like, efficiency. No, 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 because it's all about the steep – it's all about the tongue. About the what? Time. The time. It's like tongue. It's all, yeah, that's, that's you can do it with your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't get invited back. <laughs> I fish it out. Did you see Mock was sucking on the tea bag? Did you see that? No cup for me, actually. <laughs> 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 Digger, is, Digger has a lot of rules about tea. I've heard him talk about it on air before. Yeah. About, you know, the, the, the order of things. and So, order of things. That's another thing that I read as well. So, I mean... You do. You put the tea bag in. You put your hot water and then milk if you wish. So, I, yeah. So, then you bag, do the hokey pokey. And then, that's what. <laughs> pull off the string. No, and then so yeah, tea bag, hot water. So they'll walk away or do something else for like three minutes. Mm. Oh, or whatever. Busy yep. myself. Tea bag. Like squeeze it. Take it out. Milk in. Okay. My household. It was all about the dunks. Oh, yeah? Uh, how many you dunks? Knew, you knew each individual person, how they took their tea came with the number of dunks <laughs> right. that they required. Yeah, okay. Like 21 dunks. 21 <laughs> dunks, you kidding? <laughs> no, it was, it was 21 dunks. Uh, and but because like, it's going to take you 25 minutes to make cups of tea for everyone. It, do, it took ages. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're like, it's like spinning plates but with dunks. <laughs> <laughs> and then my sister had a boyfriend who came around and stay all the time and he would be like, Stirring? Oh, like, what, do you need to stir tea? Like, I thought you yeah. did. But, oh. but like, how many? Yeah, Dad does that. Dad will. Dad will. Oh, it's less psychotic, actually. But it, because I think if you have sugar in your tea, I've never had a, been a sugar in tea person. But mm. it's that 
Um, he does it with coffee too. I may have mentioned this, but he, he dad calls it his cappuccino. Which oh, yes. Not. Yeah, I've said that, yeah. So he'll get his instant coffee and then microwave it in, you know, the 40-year-old microwave <laughs> and put it in and then, like, wait for it to get so hot it gets a skin and then put the milk in and then it's in clink, 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 clink. And then like, but, I'm sorry, doesn't the clink, clink, don't, doesn't, centrifugal force, a couple of stirs and, like, the whirlpool effect takes care of it. You'd think, You'd think so. so. Like, take yeah. out the spoon. Mm. Physics is working. <laughs> Maybe it's, like, his chance to film musical, you know, like, oh, this could oh. be something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a old vaudeville act or something with a marionette behind him. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, if you're putting sugar in your tea, it's noisy. Mm. Yeah. So you're going to be a tea person? Am I going to be a tea person? Mm. Um, like I said, I, I will on occasion if someone's making it yeah, for me. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't make you a tea person. No, I'm not a tea person. I'm a coffee person. Mm. And yeah. I'll occasionally have tea if it comes with a sweet treat. One thing, oh. doing breakfast radio, I've started asking about the caffeination levels of different blends. Oh, yes. Because it matters tea. now. Yeah. Oh. That's annoying. Because, yeah, because I think a lot of people think green tea is not caffeinated. But very, it is a lot. There's a yeah. lot of caffeine. But also... Tea. Is it, there? Yeah. It's just black tea picked earlier. Mm. Same... Is it? I learned a lot working in the team. But also, (laughs) just quickly, we're, you know, learning about, I think Dr. Jen came in and talked about microplastics in tea bags and stuff. Oh, that's right. And so, uh, and then obviously, yeah, when the paper and the stable fall in, it's like it's 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 like dropping a piece of toast on the kitchen floor and then just picking it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slowly. It feels like you've blown it. This is not the world's best cup of tea. No. But then you obviously got tea drinkers where they would never use a tea bag. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I usually try and use leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead my old of tea bags. How about this for a fake uh, tea drinker? I have maybe fifteen canisters full of exotic different teas. Yeah. Oh yes. Yep. And I don't know what's in them. I've had some for a decade, I think. Whoa. Just because I'm like you know, you get them as gifts and you're mm. like, oh I'm gonna be a tea person. Yes. I, think I, I elevate tea people in my mind. I'm like, oh that's cool. That's that's like elegant. <laughs> and then it just sits in my cupboard. Maybe yeah. today I'll try one of them. I think you should. Or get rid of them. What's the danger? Oh, I'm not getting rid of them. But what if Waste. You, what if they're nat gnats? <laughs> Fungus gnats? Yeah, I don't know. No, what they're if... in all my plants, not in my tea. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> they're totally different. Well, yeah, no, you're Lady Dilmar, so who the hell am I the question? Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. Science Gallery Melbourne is the new purpose-built museum space on the corner of Swanson and Grattan Streets at the University of Melbourne. Described as playing a vital role in shifting our understanding of science, art and innovation, the gallery is hosting a new exhibition, Swarm, explores the essence of collective behaviour and asks why we are drawn to be part of a pack. And here to tell us about it with National Science Week upon us, we're joined by Head of Curatorial at Science Gallery Melbourne, Tilly Berlin. Welcome to Breakfasters. Oh, thank you so much. And yay for Science Christmas. Uh, For those unfamiliar, can you tell us about Science Gallery Melbourne? Yes, okay, so we are a new space within Melbourne, but we've been around for a few years while we build this behemoth, which is on the site of the old women's hospital. Um, So we started off in Dublin at Trinity College, and they wanted to experiment and find this new space where we could have the research and incredible minds and, and thoughts and ideas that 
function within a university ecosystem and have a much more porous membrane, a way of that escaping the university and enticing young people in and getting them to see how incredibly creative and curious and problem solving all sorts of disciplines are. Then in the Western education system, we're obviously, uh, sorry, we're often thought to sort of have particular criteria of what it means to be a scientist or an engineer and that young people get funneled into one direction or another. And at Science Gallery, what we want to do is break apart those boundaries and say there is all these incredibly creative things that you can do across the sciences, the arts and the engineering uh, kind of topics. So mm. it started off 13 years ago. It was such an enormous success um, of bringing artists and scientists and engineers together that we decided to uh, go global. So there's eight of us around the world now. So here in Melbourne, we're embedded within the University of Melbourne uh, and we we are about creating this space where young people can come in and think about ideas differently, talk about uh, questions that might not have come up in the world and help us develop creative solutions to the greatest problems of our time. All right. Is it a tactile place and a tactile exhibition? It is, absolutely. So one glorious thing about Science Gallery is that we love participation. Um, and so not as in just touching things, but actually you're part of the exhibits. So giving over a bit of yourself, whether that be your answers to questions, which is funneling in and building on research currently happening, uh, whether it's your Instagram handle, like in one of the exhibits uh, in Swarm, it's about everything that's in our digital our skeletons that are in our digital closet. So you get to key in your Instagram handle to this particular work and then step inside what is a beautiful toilet space. <laughs> Sit down on the toilet as this poet reads out. It uh, goes back through your Instagram handle, Ooh. starts from your original post, reads it out, emojis and all, hashtags and all, and then jumps through your whole Instagram history, selecting by right of an algorithm um, segments to read back to you and see, is it sentimental? Are you intensely embarrassed by how many <laughs> hashtags we all used to use? <laughs> how many love heart emojis of different colours can I actually include <laughs> in a post? So, and some people are horrified by forgetting the sort of information that we release into the wild and is out there mm. constantly building information about who we are. Wow. So art, engineering, science are coalesces. Can you tell us what else we might be able to expect? Oh my goodness. Well, you're all here on the mics. So one of them that you'll particularly love within Swarm is called Sentiment Honk. I was just looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> so we all speak, you know, more than, you know, more than 5,000 words a day. Some of us more, some of us less. Um, and how how many of those are unkind? How many of those are misinformation? Sentiment Honk is a work where Rachel Smith has created an algorithm that is looking for sentiment. So what it feels your negativity is. It does that with words. It does that with intonation and tone. You step up to the microphone in the gallery. You start speaking and it assesses your speech. There are these party blowers on the wall attached to um, a, a small computer system. It picks up your speech and registers it. If it thinks that you are being overly negative, those party blowers honk at you. <laughs> <laughs> We've got it set up to a radio. Just saying, guys, we'll uh, maybe put triple R on and see whether you get any honks. Oh, yes, I want to know if I'm getting honks. 
Yeah, it's so good. Oh, it's so cool. How does it know if you're being negative? So it is. It's the easiest way you can tell because, of course, Science Gallery is part exhibition, part experiment. Mm-hmm. So we keep on experimenting with these things and seeing what is happening. Uh, lots of it is about the actual words. So if you say certain words that are negative, they are going to honk at you straight away. Okay. Um, but it's interesting to see what does get it honking and what doesn't. Yeah. The whole exhibition, though, is about all sorts of swarming behaviour, including biological swarms. So there um, we have a, a work called Drosophila karaoke bar. Again, I know I know your love of mics. You step up and sing. We are growing these um, Drosophila, which are like a little fruit fly. And uh, the artist Ursula Dam has created, again, a way of transforming the sound waves and frequencies of human voice into sound waves that Drosophila can hear and respond to. So you step up to the mic, you sing into the karaoke to the Drosophila, you've got a big screen up which is zooming down on them, they're a few metres away from you, um, and it excites them. And so then they dance and sing and respond to you. And we're talking to uh, this Drosophila fly expert at the University of Melbourne, and he said if they stick their foot out just to the side, that means they're really enjoying it. (laughs) So you get to um, sing to and see the response of these other swarming creatures. Because, of course, sure, humans are swarming creatures. We are over the entire globe, Mm. and that is an enormous problem. There's a number of works in the show that are challenging ideas about what we might want to do about that or think about ways that we might change that as humans um, with some, you know, fairly spicy topics. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, this particular <laughs> Drosophila karaoke bar is a very sweet, loud and enjoyable yeah. one. Yeah. What, what intrigues you philosophically about individualism in a collective So many things, even watching human beings within the show itself, the way that we find, uh, can experiment with risk and safety when we are in groups of people, because we're a gallery that's aimed at 15 to 28 year olds around that mark, everyone is welcome, but it is those people uh, whose voices are often kept out of cultural institutions, of experiences, um, because they don't have disposable cash to go out and pay entrance fees. We're free all the time. Mm. So seeing the swarming behaviour of those young people in the gallery, um, experimenting, someone being brave enough to break out of the pack and have a go at Mm. that thing in front of everyone, and then that watching that behaviour make them feel more excited and the other people within the pack then going off and being able to do that. And that's kind of a small metaphor of what we love and hope that Science Gallery is. So we embed young people in the decision-making the whole way along from what the idea is that we're going to do a theme of a show around all the way through to, even though I'm the curator, I actually work collaboratively with a group of young people and share decision-making about what works get in, what topics we want to tackle, what we don't want to tackle, what is super lame and we're going to stay (laughs) away from. All of those things of genuinely it not being my exclusive decision but pulling in the pack to make it better, stronger, funnier, more challenging. Yeah, it sounds like you're putting a bit of effort into not being sort of Steve Buscemi going, hello, fellow kids, (laughs) (laughs) enjoy science Christmas. Oh my god, I love that meme so much. And yeah, yeah, memes, another swarming behavior that humans do, right? Mm. Yeah, we are we are doing our best and we're peer to peer, so everyone who works on the floor of the gallery is between that age range because young people 
listen more mm. and are more interested in the opinions and the and the ideas that are coming out and discussed with them by young people. It's a glorious place to come and visit no matter what age you are, though. I don't want anyone thinking they're not welcome. You're ageing us out of this no, exhibition. No, no, no. <laughs> I just care less about what you want us to do, right? Uh, yeah. But, uh, as but you, you should. Still, yeah. Because everybody st- else cares about what, you know, other oh, that age group want to do, so it's nice to have a focus on young people, yeah. which seems... Can we just quickly talk about Euthanasia Coaster? We can, what yeah. Is, what is this about? Julianus Urbanus is a, um, an artist. He used to work in a theme park and that has certainly, um, in his youth, that's affected all sorts of interesting works that he's gone on to produce. So he's got two works in the show. One of them is Euthanasia Coaster. And so this is an entirely hypothetical but scientifically accurate um, uh, roller coaster. And and so he's worked with physicists and medical scientists about if at end of life, so at the end of your life when you want to, um, when you, yeah, when, when you don't want to be around anymore, what would be a very fun and pleasurable way um, uh, to leave this earth? Mm. And so it is a roller coaster. He's created a model of it that goes up over 500 metres and then goes through these seven loop-de-loops um, and the physics effect, the effect on your body is that it would stop um, uh, it would stop your heart wow. by the end of it. So it is not a real thing. It doesn't exist. It's but a model. Those sto- yeah, those stories about... And he created this about 10 years ago before the conversation around agency for human beings at that period of, in our lives and control was at a much lower level than it is now here in Australia and around the world. And it was really about bringing that idea of saying, you know, what are, if we had control over what, how it was that we decided to leave this life at the end of our lives, what Mm. would that look like? Could we make it fun? Could we make Mm. it enjoyable? And, you know, because there are so many peoples around the world that have beautiful death practices and and acknowledgements of end of life. And good art can be fun and confronting. and Yeah, absolutely. And and being able to have these questions go, oh, my God, no, I would never do that or Mm. I would do that or, oh, my God, I've never thought about that Mm. before. Those moments of I've never thought about that before and it's a worthy thing to discuss, moments of joy and delight for us. Mm. Well, to check out Swarm and all the little exhibitions within this broader exhibition at Science Gallery Melbourne, uh, head to melbourne.sciencegallery.com. The exhibition's on until December 3rd. And for more information about Science Week, you can go to scienceweek.net.au. And we've been fortunate to speak with Head of Curatorial at Science Gallery Melbourne, Tilly Berlin. Good on you and thank you. Thanks, Gay. Triple R. It's been a regular occurrence now to have a call for a state funeral when someone passes and there's debate about who should get one and why. And uh, and it's interesting that the run of state funerals to public figures appears to have possibly been the result of a prank because Jeff Kennett says that he was the first Premier to give in to pressure for a state funeral for a member of the public who had not been a governor or a former minister of the Crown since Sir John Monash was granted one in 1931. And he says today that he went to bed on August 17, 1995 and woke up the next morning to be informed that the late, great Footscray footballer Ted Whitten had died after a long illness. And, you know, he knew Ted Whitten, who was obviously a tremendous player and a proud Victorian. 
And so he was told that the front page of the paper was reporting that the Premier had offered Ted's family a state funeral, but he he hadn't. Oh. oh. The offer had not been made and none of his ministers or staff had made the offer. It just didn't happen. Uh, but what had happened was that some blokes at the pub heard of Ted Witten dying and called the night editor <laughs> and said that they were from Jeff Kennett's personal office and that he'd authorised a state funeral. <laughs> and so the fact was now broadcast. He couldn't back down? Yeah, and really? he made a number of phone calls and he just had no alternative but to agree. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. So... I love that a prank... (laughs) Resulted in a state funeral. Resulted in, yes, a state funeral, the first one from a member of the public in a very long time, according to Jeff Cannon. And that just a prank got out of hand. God, and and, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, it's, you know, I guess he was quite a well-loved community member. (sighs) But imagine if he had... Backed out, then that would have been so much worse. Oh, yeah. They really cornered him. I the love backlash. that. Exactly. Backlash. And that's why, and so there's calls for review into state funerals because the idea that a, a premier risks unpopularity doling out state funerals. Yeah. And you get one and you don't and you don't want mm. it. And so maybe there needs to be a review. Uh, and it has to be something that what? the family agrees to as well. Oh, of course. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, like, people, a lot of people were asking yeah. about Archie Roach, and the reporting has been that he was offered one in the family. You know, he didn't want one. Um, but I think it's 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 that weird thing where a lot of people, famous, well-loved people, die close together. It does feel like oh, everyone's everyone's getting yeah. one. Mm. But yeah, sorry, just the 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 idea of a prank getting a I life know. of its own. Well, that's what I mean. I'm like these blokes just having a beer at the pub, just going, hey. You want to bring the Jeff Kennett's office? And they changed. And, and like the other bloke saying, ah, you're an idiot. They're not going to believe this. And, I mean, just waking up, hungover, lifting up the paper. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked. It bloody worked. worked. Totally. Oh, I, I think I've spoken about this. I, I did have a prank week many years ago, 15 years ago, when I was living with a couple of housemates. And they got me, they, they killed me for the week. And you just had to let the pranks go. But the final prank that they did at the end of the week, and I was done with being pranked. I didn't think it was funny after mm. the first 48 hours. Yet here we were, another five days to go. The last one I get a phone call and I'm in my room and uh, this gentleman says that he's a police officer and he has footage of me at a music festival uh, that they want to talk to me about and I needed to come to the Sunshine Police Station. <gasps> and I had just been to a music festival on the weekend and I'm just like, oh, and I was so done and I was tired and I go, oh, whatever, mate. I'm not, I'm not coming down. Who is this? And he was just like, excuse me, this is Detective Sutcher, whatever. Uh, and like I've said, we've got footage of you. You need to come down to the station now. I'm like, well, I'm not coming. Okay, I'm not coming. And Because I was just like, please let this be a prank because the way that I'm speaking to this guy, and he said, well, if you don't come, we will come and we'll get a car to pick you up and you'll be arrested. So what would you prefer, come down on your own accord or we'll come and arrest you? I go, come and arrest me. And then I hung up the phone. Oh, my God. And then I sat in my room having a panic attack. <laughs> Going, do I go out into the lounge and confront my housemates and go, all right, did you do this final prank? Okay, because it finished at 5pm that day and it was like 2 Mm. o'clock in the afternoon. I go, did you do this prank? I was like, do I go out there? But if I do that, then I am losing. I'm succumbing because Mm. I've fallen for the prank. Or do I sit here 
and have a panic attack <laughs> in my own bedroom and just struggle to breathe. So I did that for two minutes and then I just went out. And then I just went, guys, okay, I just got a call from the cops. Or was it one of your mates? Look, I am done. You, you've got me. I, I, I Tell me now. And they're like, no, we don't know what you're talking about. I go, well, you better know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I'm going to be arrested. <laughs> they're going to come here and pick me up and I'm really scared. And they're like, ah, oh. I just had to wait for you to crack. God, oh, God, did I crack? I crumbled. I cried once That's again. That's great. That is yeah. so good. When do you admit the? Because there is a point, isn't there, where you have to say it's a prank? Because mm. it's a law of diminishing returns. Oh, of course. And it becomes cruel if you continue it. Yeah. Yes. And then Bobby goes down to the police station. And yeah. Like, oh no no no. <laughs> but a lot of the fun of doing a prank is the straight facing. Yeah. Yes. When you think, oh my God, they're falling for it. Yeah. Yes. The, the I was I was pranked once and it only just occurred to me then when you're talking about the phone call uh because when i was when i was an extra and i've mentioned you know i've mentioned before my my <laughs> illustrious career on neighbors as an extra but when i was doing that um i got a call from the costume department one day and for me like you know an unfamiliar number and it was like hey it's it's dan from um the costume at, at neighbors just double checking um you're all good for the next year. I was like, oh, I haven't been told about the next one, but, you know, I was doing it kind of weekly. So I was like, oh, yeah, sure. He's like, we we're hoping maybe um, to, you could be a bit more of a featured extra in this episode. Um, it would require you to be bald. <laughs> I was just like, sorry. He said, yeah, so you can arrange that yourself. <laughs> well, we can do it for you. Like, <laughs> oh my god, what do I do? Like, I think I was, you know, I was like twenty, and I was loving this extra's work, and I was like, I just said yes to everything, yes. and so I was like, oh, um, do, uh, why, why would that? And had no idea, absolutely no idea that it was, <laughs> it was fake. Um, and I don't know if I found out at the time, like in that call. Oh, no, I think I think then then he started laughing and it was my friend's new boyfriend. So I'd only met him oh, once or twice. Couldn't recognise the voice. And didn't know his voice or his number, but I was like, I guess I've got to shave my head. <laughs> oh, that would have been the best. Oh, brilliant. What do you do for your craft? So when did they, how, how did they let you down? I think I was just like, well, I was just, I think I was going along with it. The clippers like, were the foreign. <laughs> like, I'm halfway there. What do you think? Yeah. He was just like, no, no, no. Okay. Oh, and then he started laughing and I was so embarrassed. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, God. Oh, what a fantastic... <laughs> I wish they followed through. <laughs> I, I do wish. You yeah. rock up on said bald. Ready? <laughs> They're like, you're not even on call today. Why are you... Because that's such a good prank and you know like the, the only one that I I mean I, I have a cousin I think that said to, said to my sister um come into the shed and I'll give you a chalk wedge or something <laughs> that was it. and so she goes into the shed and there is no chalk wedge and he just locks her in there <laughs> it's so basic it's so I mean, I, you know, I put a fake, I saw this fake mouse and it, it wriggles, it's like made of rubber anyway, and it, I put it in the fridge when I was visiting my nana. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I know, I know. So, of course, she sees it and I've never seen a woman leap. <laughs> and I was like, and even I knew at the time, like, I've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't worth it. It's not funny. She's about to keel over. 
and um, and of course, yeah, you, you look, the juice isn't worth the squeeze because you've just nearly murdered Nana. <laughs> <laughs> nearly. Yeah, nearly, yeah, exactly. Didn't quite do it. But if it, if she did die, you know, then she gets a state funeral and suddenly we're all full circle. Triple. Ah. Friday Funny Bugger and Breakfasters, we're joined by comedian and writer for Mad as Hell on ABC TV, Pat McCaffrey. Morning, Pat. Hello. How are we all doing? We're good, but more importantly, how are you feeling? How am I? Are you, is that a pointed question about my employment prospects? Oh, well, oh, well that's <laughs> right. Now. The show is wrapping up, isn't it? Is, it is. Um, and uh, am I allowed to beg for work on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> Not at this stage. Yeah, it's it's one one of, got nothing. Is one of you looking to move on? <laughs> Um, is it going to be? A, is it getting emotional? Uh, oh, look! It's always emotional. You know, you know what Sean's like. He's just uh, uh, no, 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 no. Look, it's a lot of fun, and I think the thing is now that it's the last season, um, you know, we're not. We don't have to be worried about saying anything that offends anyone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're dredging up all the things that the lawyers said we couldn't do and seeing if yeah. we could work out a way to redo them. Yeah. Um, what's one of your favourite uh, contributions that you never thought would get through the net? Uh, I so I wrote a um, an ad. Uh, that was a fake ad for Westpac right at the height of the Banking Royal Commission where we discovered that they'd been funding international drug smuggling. Uh, and I wrote that fully expecting that it would get lawyered out. And they yeah. were just like, we can say that about Westpac, yeah. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> well um, done. Yeah, so uh, I bank with Bank Australia. <laughs> uh, now, what about work prospects and, and uh, you know, what do you... And career advice, something. Career advice. Right? Oh, well, look, you know, that's kind of what I, I was. Um, I was thinking recently because you know, yeah, you do need, um, you do need, you know, friends who are able to offer you good advice. Because obviously, I'm talking to a lot of friends now about what I should do next. So I was going to ask, like, do you think that you are like a useful friend to have in your friendship group? Like. Um. For advice, well, setting us or up even for just, a you know, you know, no, no, but you know, like how people say, like, oh, in your friendship group, you should have like a doctor, a lawyer. Oh, uh, a absolutely not. I yeah. have friends who are doctors and lawyers, and I am. It's great. Yeah, I'm not a helpful person. Yeah, because I realise I'm, I'm definitely not the useful person mm. to have in a friendship group. Like, absolutely. Like, like if we, like if nuclear Armageddon struck. Um, and we were rebuilding society, mm. you wouldn't need the skill set I have. Like, mm. I'd be sent down my salt mine breaking rocks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> straight away. Um, you guys would be fine, that we'd need breakfast radio. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's essential service, officially. Yes, that's a bold-faced um, line, you know. <laughs> yeah, because um, I, re- I realised, like, yeah, I'm not a very useful friend to have. Um but like, uh, so during like the whole, because like during the whole COVID lockdown thing, I realised that like you need those useful friends in your life, um, and I found one right because like during lockdowns, the only people you could see were like your housemates um, and your housemates' partners. And my housemate at the time, their partner was a psychologist, mm. which was a very useful skill set to have, like generally, but also like specifically during lockdown. Mm. Um, and so like, it was great. Whenever she came over, we would just like leave a pad and pen out. Just, <laughs> like someone would mention some kind of, you know, oh yeah, I was thinking about my childhood the other day. And then just like hand, hand that over right. and let her go. Um, does the empathy dry up when you're off the clock or? Well, see, that's, 
that's the thing. I mm. wondered whether we were getting bad advice because mm. this is because I, I did ask her like I so you know like after lockdowns went on for such a long time and like Bobby you would know like gigs just dried up instantly oh, yeah, like as a performer you lost all your work. Um, and so then eventually we were getting back into all that stuff. Like I was putting a show together. Like I was you know getting back out there and trying to gig. And I, I was chatting to her one day and I said like, you know, um, I'm a bit worried because you know like what if. What if over the course of like 18 months, two years, I've lost the knack for this? You know, like, and I suddenly got quite scared. You know, like when you're going back to something for the first mm-hmm. time in a long time. And, and you know, I was like, oh, this is kind of terrifying. You know, um, what if I'm no good at this? What if what I learn is that I shouldn't be doing stand up and I mm. need to like go back to uni or something? Uh, and this is what I mean about getting bad advice necessarily. And maybe this is because she was off the clock, as you mm. say. But like she said, um, Pat, like imagine you're a kid on the Titanic. She said, would you want your parents to say to you, oh, my God, Pat, we've just hit an iceberg, we're all going to die. Or would you want them to say, hey, Pat, we're in a rough spot right now, but uh, help's on the way and things are going to be fine. Wait a second. Yeah. Are you the kid in this analogy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being patronised. Uh, no, with... no way. Yeah. She's doing both in that analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so true. That's she expert. Is. What a genius. Yeah. Like, as though... At- also, I don't know if you ever had your uh, career and skills compared to a historical event that is shorthand for human tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That didn't feel great. No, that's right. Yeah. You're just a helpless little Kate Winslet. <laughs> clinging to a... Thank you for making me Kate Winslet. <laughs> in that clinging to a, to a floating door. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my God, tell me it's going to be okay, for Christ's sake. Do yeah. you think? Yeah. Well, well but well, some, some friends, I suppose, like to be harbingers of bad news. Oh, okay. Oh, not friends per se, but some personality types. <laughs> mm. But I also, I also realised during the whole COVID lockdown situation, because, like, I, I like, yeah, I realised, like, not only am I not a useful friend, but I was kind of okay with that, because, like, I, 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 I'm not necessarily someone who, like, makes a lot of friends or meets new people easily. So during lockdown, I was kind of okay with all that thing. And I realised, talking to her, the psychologist friend, I realised... I would be the worst person to be stuck on a desert island with. Because not only am I like, I don't have a useful skill set, but like, <laughs> I'm so averse to meeting new people that if it was my turn to watch for new ships, I just let them go. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. I wouldn't even tell you. Like, you'd all be asleep, the three of you. And I'd, and I'd be like, we're having a good time. You know? We, don't, we don't need saving. We don't we, need more people. We could, we could spend a year, like an hour outside Geelong on a beach somewhere, and you wouldn't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried, though, that the rot has set in, maybe for your reputation and I I, I would argue for mine, of (laughs) such uselessness that friends don't even bother inviting you to contribute in a meaningful way. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, no. If, you, if you're asking for my help, you're beyond help. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That should be the sign above that site's yeah. door. That's right. <laughs> Last resort. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's, that'll be on your business card when you're looking for work. Yeah, exactly. Mm. When all else fails. Yeah, that's right. It's always also, and I'm not sure if, I know we have psychologists in our lives or whatever, but the idea that you would go out for coffee with someone and then here our time is up or something <laughs> like i i feel bad asking anybody to converse in the wheelhouse of their day job mm. yeah and it's hard if it's if it's a friend like you said no, i'm just talking to you as a friend but you know 
So they're going to give you the good, real good stuff. Oh, exactly, yeah. But is it like when you get a, like a free trial of an app or a video game, and it's kind of like the crappy version? So they're like, "I'll give you a little bit, but after, uh, then after there's a limit." Yeah, that was the you got to pay up. Uh, that was the thing. Every time I saw her, like if thirty days had gone by, I had to start with a new email address and a yeah. new phone number. And, yeah. But if you're chatting to a structural engineer, you don't know if they're any good at their job. I mean, you presume because there are no bridges right. crashing. But if, if you're talking to a psychologist friend yeah. and you feel like you get bad advice, then you think maybe you have an insight into their into the, workplace behaviour. That's mm. right. Into their ability. Yeah. So I feel like psychologists are like always on display. Yeah. And like, in the same way, the comedians are told, tell us a joke. Mm. <laughs> Give us some advice. Go on, tell us a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Precisely. Oh, um, are, you, are you developing any skills or do you reckon you might... No, 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 God, no, 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 I'm regressing. I'm getting worse. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm hoping to end up, you know, in in kind of like, you know, when, because, you know, I'm convinced World War III is going to kick off. Russia and Ukraine is going to start something, right? Well, this is my thing. You can entertain the troops. Oh, I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily the right man for that right. job. They yeah. don't, don't want your best Westpac gear. Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think being like so. You know, I don't think a political comedian telling jokes about the war is what they want to distract themselves yeah, from the front. Right. You know? So Rowena or QC. <laughs> is this thing on? Is this thing on? Yeah. Um, okay, so what can we do? We should watch Mad as Hell. Yeah, please. Mm. Uh, at least for the next five weeks. Yeah. Uh, I should do one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and where else can we find you? Oh, look. Um, or where, uh, do you, where do you want to be found? <laughs> yes. More importantly. Uh, number 86 tram. You know, I'll, just, I'll be testing material out. It might look like I'm talking to myself, but you know. Beautiful. Uh, well, will we come back? Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. Pat McCaffrey, thanks very much. Thanks very much. Triple R. You are tuned into the Breakfasters Live here on Triple R, and it's a pleasure to be joined this morning in studio by Tando. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. Uh, very nice to have you here bright and early. Thank you for having me. Um, bright and early. <laughs> <laughs> now, I chatted to you on my old show out in the patio in 2018. Yeah. So can we talk about what's happened? Because a lot of things have changed for you since then. You became a parent. Mm. Um, the voice mm. was in your life again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you sort of sum up those four years? chaotic (laughs) but very necessary um I always love a challenge and I can't stay in one place for too long so Mm. I'm always sort of looking for the next big challenge and the next big thing that I'm going to do so I'm happy that a lot has changed since the last I spoke with you because then it means that I'm doing what I am intending to do so yeah yeah um can we talk I don't want that to be you know to be the focus and I'm sure you don't either but in terms of reality television Mm. what what about that sort of are you drawn to? Um, I'm not. I yeah. <laughs> really, television's drawn to you. I, yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's the way it happened. Um, I, at the time, never had any intentions of going back on television in that yeah. capacity. But I think because we were obviously not playing shows, not having the opportunity to tour or sort of connect with audiences outside of Victoria, I thought it would be a missed opportunity to reintroduce myself to the rest of the country once things did open up again. So it mm. seemed like an invaluable opportunity and it's it's been incredible coming out on the other side of it. Um, I'd say the biggest realisation, and I mean, this is something that a lot of us are kind of aware of but don't actually ever have confirmation of, is how irrelevant to your artistry doing a show like that is. Because I was very much not there as the tando that people know as an artist. So if you've come to my shows or you've gotten to know me over the years through my music, that's not who I was on the show. And 
having to sort of let go of that and play a character mm-hmm. on a television show. Like it's very much a, a controlled environment with character types, character development, like there's a storyline, there's all of this stuff. So if you play your part, you mm. make it to the end. So I figured that out pretty Don't quickly. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, you've got to have a game plan going in so you don't get screwed over. So I think I played it pretty well. Beautiful. Yeah. How are your students? So you teach uh, piano, yeah. you are saying, and yeah. singing. Uh, how are they after seeing you on They're television? going nuts. It's <laughs> so funny because, like, I can't walk across the schoolyard without a bunch of kids coming up to me and being like, oh, it's Miss S from The Voice. Oh, how was it? How's Guy Sebastian? Like, Which is really sweet. But I think there's a lot of, like, anonymity that I had when I was at school where I could just kind of carry on about my business and no one knew who I was. And now it's very, like... I can't go collect students from their class without making a fuss. Mm. <laughs> I think it's starting to frustrate some of the classroom <laughs> teachers, but it is what it is, you know. I mean, I was one of those people. I introduced myself to you twice out there when you were in the <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I will never forget your name. <laughs> never. Um, but has that uh, that must in, like improve your cachet as a music teacher? Like, oh, is it, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I've got an abundance of students on my waiting list, which is great because now it means I can pick up extra days and yeah. I'm going to be good for the rest of the year. So, yeah. Um, you recently changed the spelling of your sort of as your name and yeah. also your stage name. Was there a big decision process behind that? Not really. Um, I'll be honest. I was getting frustrated because there are a lot of South African or Southern African artists that share the same artist name as I do. So I'd always go into like my Spotify or Apple Music account and find a new release and it wasn't me. I have come across them. It happens so often and I'm just like, I can't be emailing these services every week asking them to take the stuff down or to like create a new artist profile for these people. And at the time that I made the decision to just drop the A, it was purely out of convenience just so I could keep my catalogue separate and then it actually ended up being a really great segue into not rebranding but just I guess elevating the brand that I'd already established so obviously the name is very similar you still say it the same way but I think that new spelling just sort of shows a a new stage of my career that I'm sort of entering into especially coming off the show. Yeah do you feel like the Australian music landscape has changed at all you've talked in the past about you know, encountering racism, not just as a musician, but as, mm. as a person of colour in this country. Um, you first went on, the, was it The Voice originally, yeah, eight years ago? Yeah. Do you think we have progressed at all since then or are you finding the same problems? Um, look, I feel like there's definitely a lot more awareness and a lot of the decisions that are being made at a higher up level are more intentional. Um, I don't know that enough has changed but it's it's always going to be a long slow process but I'm just happy to start seeing those small changes happen. Um, I look at the example of the finalists that we had in the top four this year I think the fact that we had three people of colour in the finals like we'd never seen anything like that before so the three of us being on the other end of that knew how much that meant and how much of a responsibility we had to sort of carry the torch to the next generation of young coloured artists that want to go and pursue something like that because they know that they won't get kicked off just at the beginning. Like there's an opportunity Mm. for them to potentially make it to the end. So that was big for us. Um, I mean, we didn't get the win, which is fine. (laughs) It's totally, completely fine because Australia voted how it voted, but it's still such a massive achievement and um, I think – because Australia didn't get the opportunity to vote for the finalists, knowing that those cogs turned the way they did because somebody thought about, okay, what are the optics of this? How can we take this opportunity and show that we're 
wanting to platform young artists from diverse backgrounds and show them that we want to support them. So small token that we appreciate for what it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're very happy with the way it turned out. And you're no stranger to collaboration either, which is interesting. It seems incongruous with the comp- competitive show. <laughs> but on your album yeah. Life in Colour, which came out last year, mm. um, there are so many collabs on that. How, how important is that for oh, you? Incredibly. Um, I find the best artistry that – well, the best version of my artistry is when I get to work with other artists. I get the opportunity to sort of step outside of the box of what I know and my own lived experiences and – see the world through a different lens by hearing someone else's perspective. And I think that was what was great about this record is obviously we were all immigrants and had grown up in Australia or grown up in other parts of the world and came here. And stories that should, I guess, in theory, run parallel were obviously so different because everybody had had a different experience. Like my experiences were different to Kai's, which were different to Francois's. So being able to sit down and have these conversations and then translate them into the music was really great because I think I went into this record to write it with one intention and came out on the other side with something totally different and Mm. I'm so proud of the work that I've made because I feel like these stories and these messages can stand the test of time because of that. How wonderful. Uh, Amazing. I did want to ask, you were... Were you flirting with pursuing a life in academia? And I'm wondering what discipline was denied Tando. Uh, no, 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 no. I, n- I never... I'm not... Mm, look, I'm not going to put myself down, but I don't think I was ever made for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> because I was not a very good student. Okay. The only students or only subjects that I actually did decently at yeah. were drama and music. All right. Everything else, nah. So I could never be All an right. academic. Well, we so. won't tell your students that. <laughs> <laughs> hope they're not listening. <laughs> um, you are playing a show at The Corner on September 4th. It's a what they're calling a late matinee, which is the ideal time for a show at 5pm. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a child. I would like <laughs> to be at home before 10 <laughs> on a Sunday. So, yes, I'm very happy that I get to put on a show at The Corner Hotel. It's going to be life and colour again. So I'm calling it 2.0 because we did a couple of really great shows back in November when I first launched the record and I'm so excited to be able to do the show again because it's just going to be a much bigger production than the first show and anyone that came to those first shows at the Nightcat will know what I'm talking about so I was there I I know Ah, (laughs) I can't wait to come to the corner it's it's gonna be massive I'm so excited yeah I can't stop smiling thinking about it (laughs) Um, it's been our pleasure to have you this morning. So thank you so much and uh, yeah, enjoy your music lessons. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. You'll have a great day. Triple R. There are these two chaps in Queensland who were barred from entering Brisbane's Treasury Casino on the Star on the Gold Coast because they were card sharks and Star Entertainment banned them because they were accused of edge sorting which is spotting irregularities on the back of these playing cards to gain an advantage. And so they were playing Platoon, which is a game that's not dissimilar to Blackjack in 2018. And the cards that were used on the table were manufactured by this company called Angel, which is in Japan. And they knew that some of these cards had defects, these manufacturing defects on the back of the card. So what they knew about these defects is that you could tell if a card was going to be broadly higher or lower based on whether it had this defect on it. And so they predicted whether the value of the cards would probably be high or low. And now 
they were accused of playing dishonestly by the casino and were banned, but the Queensland Civil and Administrative Tribunal, which is Queensland's VCAT, Mm -hmm. has overturned the ban (gasps) and said you can play. Uh, You didn't do anything wrong um, because you were... uh, They they said of themselves that they were not a threat to casinos where the staff were competent and the games were operated correctly. And so they found a racket or whatever (laughs) and, like, when, you know, it won because that was their little racket. And they were allowed to keep doing it? Well, Surely they, they were, they were the... bad at the t- Well, yeah, they would have changed the cards. I mean, yeah. uh, one thing is, like, how weird is it to make a deck of cards and, like, it's screw it up? Defects. Yeah, it's yeah. like the one thing we know about cards is one side all has to look the same. Yes. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's one of, like, the only two things you need to know about making a deck of cards. Uh, so they were card sharks, but they – and they got away with it. They tried to get away with it. They got away with it. Then they didn't get away with it. Now they're getting away with it again. I'm pro that. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, casinos should not be the ones mm. drawing the line on ethical Dis- behaviour. Yeah, I know, isn't it? <laughs> so Absolutely can, hilarious. Absolutely. But yeah. I was, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, like what was your racket? Like where did you find an in and take advantage in your life? When I was a child, okay, and I'm not proud of this, but no, I went to a, um, I used to go to our local um convenience store just nearby, walked up the road. And the first time, I didn't mean this, okay? I, I went there and I went to buy a chocolate bar and I was 20 cents short and I realised as I got up there and there were people behind me and the shop owners looked at me, he's like, oh, you're 20 cents short. And I just went so red. I was so embarrassed. I go, oh, I'm sorry. And he goes, don't worry about it. I went, oh, thank you. And I grabbed my chocolate bar and I left. And then the next time I went, I was looking at chocolate bars and I was like, oh, I've only got 50 cents. Ah, I'll try and get a dollar oh. of chocolate, right? And I went up and I did it again. I was like, oh, and he's like, oh, you're 50 cents short. I was like, oh, um, and I would stand there and there were people waiting behind and he would just look at me like, you shifty, but yeah. there's people waiting. So he goes, go, that's fine. Next time bring the money. I'm like, thank you. And then I ran out the door. Wow. I think the third time he's just like, don't you bloody no, nice. Pay up nice. front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, there was Dr. Pepper, which I shouldn't say the brand, but mm. we're running some scheme whereby if you brought in three ring pulls and they had a <gasps> unique ring pull. What? Uh, you know, the ring pull on the, the top of an aluminium can. Oh, right. And if you delivered three of them, then this multinational company would bestow upon you a free can, can of this soft drink. <sighs> but, and, you know, these cans were expensive or whatever, but I noticed there was a local... A soft drink manufacturing company that had almost identical ring pulls <laughs> just as a coincidence and it's, it was difficult to believe that anyone outside of like my postcode would have known about mm. these cans. Anyway, <laughs> so you would, I'd buy like these cheap cans and then take off the ring pull and then present them and they weren't like for like, like if you put them under a microscope, You'd know. you would know. Yeah. But I, that was my racket that I ran for <laughs> about a year to get free terrible soft drinks. I was going to say it is terrible soft drink. They were <gasps> giving it away, literally. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, when I go to the RSL sometimes, 
you know, I'm not a member, but if I share the name of someone who is a member and you get a discount. Oh, oh right. I use the card. I, I remember um, working at a sports club and you'd, because, yeah, members get cheaper prices. It's like member or non-member. They're like member, like last name. And the people that weren't members would stumble and then just go, oh, oh non-member. Oh, I haven't got my card or whatever. Oh, it's I like, thought you asked for it. I thought it was opposite day. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought it was opposite day. <laughs> but you've got that down pat, Daniel. Yeah, and I, I try not to go too far. Sometimes if I uh, – I had an uncle who would say he would be fined by a company unfairly or something, that he'd incur a fee, and so he would call up their free – service, mm-hmm. the customer hotline, and he knew how much that would cost them. And he would just stay on the line <laughs> and and chew up their resources <laughs> oh my God, to so nullify the fee that he felt he'd unjustly incurred. <gasps> I like that. Mm. That's and that was his... Long game. Long game racket. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, Mum and Dad used to have a pool table in the garage and Mum would have dinner ready. She's like, all right, come out, and we would take forever to finish our pool game. So then she'd come out to our pool game and my brother would be looking the other way and she'd put a couple of balls in. Oh. And, and I'd be like, Ma. And she's like, shut up. I'm like, Anyway, so the game would be over a lot quicker. She did it a couple of times and I'm just like, so I was kicking my brother's butt, right, by five balls <laughs> until he caught her one day. And then I get accused because I was co-conspiring with this cheating. Mm. It's like, well, I'm hungry. Mum wants us to go inside. Yeah. I can't kick your ass this quickly. <laughs> oh, that is so shifty. I, I mean, like there are it. shifty people who love board games. Yeah. Mm. And so I don't like going to their house mm. and, like, I feel like the whole thing's rigged from the get-go. Like they've scanned the trivia questions. Oh, oh right. Yeah, imagine that, reading all the cards first. I think people do that. Yeah, probably. Wow. Interesting people. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, right. And, yeah, that's their little racket that they've got going on and I am victim to it. I can't stand it. But what's the fun? Just like, oh, my friend thinks I'm... Yeah, cool. I know, I know. They don't don't treat it with the same respect that you do, Mon. Or me. I've never been invited to play a game with anyone. Maybe this is why. Yeah, exactly. What have you scammed, Mon? I I, I reckon you'd be the biggest scammer in the world. I'm not. I've been sitting here thinking, oh, there must be... No. There must be something. And I don't know. All I could think of is this one time, and I thought of it recently because... um, just while we're dropping brand names, Starburst are being discontinued in Australia. And you know how they used to come in like a little tube, like a little square... You know, a packet, square packet, packet, yeah, but not the bag. Like, anyway, yeah, individual. Anyway, my friend and I, the same friend I talked about at six fifteen, who snored and I threw toys at her. <laughs> we'd walk up to the milk bar and got Starburst, and we're sitting on um, her front lawn, like eating them. And I, I don't know why, but I like hid them in my, um, I took the all little squares out, and hid them in my sleeve, and then I showed her the empty packet. I was like, oh, I've already finished mine, and then she gave me half of hers. Nice. And then I was like, oh, you're just kidding. I've still got them. <laughs> That was the. This is no, you backed so out of your own scam. Yeah, I felt bad. This is in 1996. Oh, I'm still thinking about it. Lame. <laughs> that is hopeless. God, that's I lame. was nearly a scammer, but I then know. I gave her all oh, of my lollies. Oh, she gave me her lollies. So then you gave her I, lollies back because I don't you know felt if bad. I did. Anyway, I reckon you did. Yeah. We lost touch. Probably wasn't yeah. that right. <laughs> there was. A, I wanted to draw your attention to a classic dad joke underneath a comment to this story that I just was alluding to. Uh, it was from Anonymous, but it was relating to the casino situation with the card sharks and the and the comment says, I was at a casino where the cards had a fault. Regardless of which value I was after, the opposite would always appear <laughs> on your dad. <laughs> Woo!
Ripple R. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website. <laughs>